You're listening to sermons from Crossroads Community Church. You can find out more information about Crossroads by visiting our website at crossroads.cc or by visiting us on Sunday mornings at 1420 Lakeside Drive in Yorktown, Virginia. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Crossroads. So glad you're here with us in the building. If you're online, thanks for joining us. And today we have something very special that we're going to do before we jump into Revelation. Uh, We're going to pray over our new elders at Crossroads. Come on, let's hear it for them. All right. Um, This is your chance to take a mug shot. These are some of the most honorary people you'll ever meet. Uh, Just kidding. Uh, So we get to... um, Today, pray and lay hands on, on these four new elders. Um, and when you lay hands, it's a, it's a, it's a blessing. It's a, a setting apart, and it's also a sending forth. And so today, we're going we're gonna to do that. But let me introduce you to your new elders here at Crossroads. This is Bruce Strack, uh, uh, Mike Norsini and his wife, Sherry. Tim, uh, and Nancy was with him earlier, but Tim and Nancy and Andrew, Bell, and Holly. And then in the back, you'll see some of our current elder team as well. And so, you know, some of you'd like to know who they are. Here they are. You can see their faces right now. Uh, You can go to them when you have any difficulties or troubles or complaints. You can go to them and uh, talk to them about those things. But um, it's just an honor to to pray over them today and to lift them up. We started 19 months ago. Uh, You uh, recommended and nominated different uh, elders um, for our consideration. Uh, Our current elder team went through them and prayed over them. Uh, we asked them if they were interested. We, we uh, interviewed them. We walked through all kinds of theological things with them. We've, they've shadowed this team. Uh, they've jumped in and served, and uh, it's, it's such a great day to actually now send them forth to be able to minister to this community at Crossroads Community Church. Um, and so I want to pray over them, and uh, I'm going to ask you, the current team, to lay hands on our, on our new, new team here, our new elder team. Uh, and uh, if you feel comfortable, no pressure, but if you feel comfortable just kind of raising your hands towards them, again, if that's something you don't want to do, that's fine, but raise your hand toward them. Uh, and again, this laying on of hands is a, a blessing. It's a setting apart, and it's a sending forth for you all. So let's pray over them. God, we are so thankful for this day and the opportunity to, to pray over each of these uh, new elders, Lord, and just to be able to see uh, how you've, you've changed this current team, how you are changing even our church because of, uh, of their leadership already, Lord. And we thank you for that, God. We, we pray that uh, you would protect them, Lord, as the enemy now wants to wage war on them because of this, of this day and this moment as they step forward as, as elders and overseers and shepherds of this uh, flock community, Crossroads, Crossroads Community Church, Lord. And I just pray uh, and lift them uh, up to you, Lord. Protect them, Lord. The enemy's attacks will, uh, will be thwarted against them, Lord. I pray, God, as, it, as we read these very uh, hard qualifications, Lord, that you would, um, Lord, that you would help them to continue to live for you, Lord. It says, as anyone who um, aspires to be an overseer, elder, shepherd, Lord, that I pray that you would help them to be above reproach, to be faithful to their spouse, to be temperate and self-controlled, to be respectable and hospitable, uh, to be able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Lord, they would be able to manage their own family well. 
Lord, that they would be uh, mature and not a recent convert, that they would not be conceited or fall under the same judgment as the devil. Lord, that they would be of good reputation to the outsiders uh, in the, uh, around this church and in the community. Lord, that they not fall into the devil's trap. Lord, and I lift them to you. I thank you for what you're already doing in them and what you're going to continue to do, Lord. And we, uh, we, we bless them now. We, we set them apart for this incredible role that you've called them to. And we send them forth right now to serve this body. This is their commissioning. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, let's hear it again for them. Thank you, guys. Well, I was, um, you guys ready to jump into Revelation, by the way? You ready? Okay. All right. We're going to jump in. I was thinking this week that I, uh, I, I went through the whole book of Revelation in one Sunday a couple summers ago, and I remember thinking, I need more time. And now I've tried to do it in five weeks, and the same thing has happened. I've realized I need more time. Um, there's just so much there. Um, it's such a Incredible book to study with you, um, but I've approached it as a, as a story, as a fairy tale, because it kind of has that fairy tale type feel. There's uh, a damsel in distress, and the damsel in distress is who? It's the church, it's us. We are, uh, and a lot of times we feel trapped away in a tower of distress, and we're waiting for our hero to come and rescue us. We need rescue, and our hero is who? Yep, Jesus, the, the lion and the lamb, and we're thankful for that. And then there's also a happily ever after. There's a dragon. We talked about that last week, the dragon uh, and his minions who are trying to thwart the plans of God, and uh, we saw his defeat last week. And then um, there's a happily ever after, which we'll get to in a, in a little while. But one of the things that we always see in a good fairy tale is a good wedding, right? There's always a wedding a fairy tale wedding in fairy tales. And that's what we're going to look at today as we jump into Revelation chapter 19. We'll be looking a little bit in 17, but mostly in 19 if you want to follow along with us. But let's look at our, um, our, our verse for this series real quick before we jump in. Our verse, uh, we, didn't put it on, we put it on the screen last week. We're not going to put it on the screen today. So see if you can say it with me. This is the verse that we're all memorizing together. Okay, are you ready? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Revelation 21.4. Good job. We've also been praying together one prayer in unity as a church. Uh, what's that been? Lord, come now and make all things right. Lord, come now and make all things right. All right, so Revelation 19. Uh, all good fairy tales, like I said, have a good fairy tale wedding. Um, as a pastor, I have, I have been with many of you as you have tried to create a fairy tale wedding for yourself. Uh, I've been to some great venues. I've uh, seen people transform backyards into, or a field into a beautiful spot. I've seen breathtaking decorations. I've seen grooms that look like they just stepped out of a GQ magazine. I've seen brides that when, they, when she comes down the aisle, everyone's jaws drop. I've seen receptions, expensive, expensive receptions. I've seen choreographed dances. <laughs> um, uh, we, I've seen uh, thousands of dollars spent on food and drink. And all of that is our attempt at creating a fairy tale perfect wedding. 
But we all know, right? We're smart enough to realize that the fairy tale wedding is, uh, is not really about all of those things. The fairy tale wedding is really about the right person being with the right person. Am I right? The right person being with the right person. We want to see, uh, we want to see Belle marry the beast. We want to see Snow White marry Prince Charming. We want to see the farmhand Wesley marry Prince Buttercup. That's what we want to see. But real life doesn't always play out that way, and you know that. Uh, many of our fairy tales have run off the tracks. <laughs> uh, you might be thinking right now, my, my fairy tale is, has crashed and burned. Uh, I feel like I'm in the wrong marriage. I'm in the wrong life. I'm in the wrong family. I'm in the wrong job. I'm in the wrong situation. It's just not working out for me. I, this is not the script, the way that the script was supposed to play out. And what I want you to know, and what we see in Revelation 19, that is if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the perfect wedding and the happily ever after is a part of your future. You need to know that. Whatever's happening in your life right now, and the fairy tale doesn't, isn't coming true, and it doesn't seem right, if you have a relationship with Christ, the perfect wedding and the happily ever after is a part of your future. We see that in Revelation 19. So this morning, the way that I, I, I've worked on this message is I've, I've put it together as a four-step wedding planning guide for the great wedding, okay? Right out of the book of Revelation. The four-step wedding planning guide right out of the book of Revelation. You guys ready to hear it? Yep. All right, number one. Drop your crazy ex. Drop your crazy ex, okay? The first thing we need to do for this wedding is to break up with our crazy ex. Anyone ever had a crazy ex before? Anyone sitting beside them? Any of you the crazy ex? We won't point fingers today. Um, we've got to drop the crazy ex. Let's look at Revelation starting in verse 1, chapter 19, verse 1. It says, After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants, and again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who was seated on the throne, and they cried, Amen! Hallelujah! Then a voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all you his servants, who, you who fear him, both great and small. So uh, chapter 19 opens up with this great celebration. What is going on here? Why are they celebrating? It says at the very beginning of it that there's a huge roar in heaven. I can't even imagine what that sounds like. I've maybe tasted or, or heard just a small part of what that could sound like when, you know, Adele comes out at the concert when your team runs through the chute at the Super Bowl, and there's this roar that happens. Now imagine that thousand, a time thousand, thousands time thousands magnified. That's the, the way that this sounds. And they're shouting, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. What is this all about? They seem to be celebrating victory over someone or something. And we pick up that because they say things like, hallelujah, he condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth. Hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. Hallelujah. It's one hallelujah after another. Hallelujah, hallelujah, 
Hallelujah. And everyone falls down and worships God on the throne. So what are they celebrating here? They're celebrating the death of a prostitute named Babylon. A prostitute named Babylon. Now let me say this first, because some of you might be saying, I thought Jesus was a friend of prostitutes in the Bible. And yes, he was. Uh, many prostitutes could belong before they ever believed. But this prostitute is doing something much, much worse. There's, it's symbolic for something much, much worth, worse. It says that she, the prostitute, has corrupted the earth by her adulteries. And we know even more now that she's enticing and corrupting and enticing and corrupting. And those that she can't corrupt, it says that she sought to destroy them. And now, in this chapter, she's been destroyed. And everyone is celebrating that uh, destruction. Chapter 17 tells us more about this prostitute. Look over in chapter 17, starting in verse 3. It says, Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. The name written on her forehead was a mystery, Babylon, the great, the mother of prostitutes and of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. So the, the details here are, are the description is very, very detailed, okay? Uh, what, does, or what does this prostitute represent, or who does she represent? The prostitute represents culture, okay? Culture. Now, before you knock culture all together and you go out with your sword to defeat culture, know that we are all a part of culture, okay? You, how many of you have one of these? Well, you have it because everybody has it, okay? That's part of culture. Uh, you have clothes on today, and that's a good thing. I'm thankful for that. Uh, and many of you are wearing clothes that culture has said, hey, that's, that's a pretty cool uh, shirt to wear. Those are some great jeans you should, or some shoes you should get. So we're all, a, we're all, in a sense, a part of culture. But the culture that the prostitute represents is culture in direct opposition of God, okay? Culture that's in direct opposition of God. And she's drawing people to get in line with that culture or what's appealing to everyone else. It says here that she's beautiful and she's adorned and she's attractive and things look really good. And so we're, we're enticed by that culture. And for those who don't conform to it, instead of being ignored or marginalized, culture or the prostitute actively seeks to destroy that person. It says here that she's drunk with the blood of those who did not conform. This prostitute is in a toxic relationship. Uh, I hope that you picked up on that. She's in a toxic relationship with, or a romantic relationship with somebody that we learned about last week, the, the beast of the earth, one of the minions. So the prostitute's in relationship with a romantic toxic relationship with the beast of the earth. The beast, or the Antichrist, one of the minions of the dragons, represents um, uh, institutions or powerful people that hold their thumb on others. 
Okay, does that make sense? So imagine a relationship between a, a beast who is powerful. Maybe it's a person. Maybe, it's, maybe it represents institutions and powerful people. But it, it's power, a powerful person or powerful people or institutions that hold their thumb on people coupled with a culture that's opposed to God. Are you picking up on this? This is the relationship of the two. Um, so pushing ungodly culture or the goal of the two together is to entice followers of Christ to follow a culture that is opposition of God and, and even forces people away from that. And everybody's celebrating in heaven in this moment because, chapter 19, the prostitute has been destroyed. But how? Maybe not the way that you think. Look at verse 16 of chapter 17. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. Will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire, for God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to hand over the beast their royal authority until God's words are fulfilled. So the prostitute is destroyed because eventually the beast and the prostitute in this toxic relationship turn on each other and the beast destroys the prostitute. And that's why everyone's praising God in heaven because it's not just that the beast killed the prostitute, but how it happened. God actually didn't kill the prostitute himself. God allowed the two to turn on each other and their demise, the prostitute was killed and heaven is celebrating that God orchestrated all of that and allowed that to happen. That's why everyone's praising God. So the kingdom of Satan ends up divided against itself. Have you ever heard that phrase, uh, a kingdom divided against itself won't stand? Uh, that's, that's Jesus who said that, and we're seeing it played out right here because this, the, the kingdom of Satan cannot stand. It's divided against itself, and the, the beast kills the prostitute. So what does all of this have to do with our crazy ex? Well, we've been invited to join the prostitute, to go and to be with her. Uh, in the Old Testament, it's laid out like this. Idolatry was often uh, talked about or described as adultery. Okay, those are two words that are very similar. Idolatry in the Old Testament is often described as adultery or being unfaithful to God or cheating on our faithful God. In Proverbs, wisdom is described as a woman who is faithful and foolishness is described as a prostitute who's trying to lead you to destruction. So the prostitute of culture is calling out to us today to walk away from the path or the way that God has for us. Uh, the prostitute is calling out to us to walk away from God's very best for us. And the fairy tales in our lives get derailed when we actually begin to follow the prostitute rather than the ways of God or God's best for us. The fairy tales in our lives, maybe not because of you, but maybe somebody in your life began to follow. Your, your fairy tales falling apart because someone in your life began to follow the ways of culture, the prostitute, and it's leading them towards destruction and it's killing you. It's breaking your heart because of it, and your fairy tale is ripping apart. The crazy ex in this moment is uh, we are called to come to our senses and to break up with her. In Revelation chapter 18, verse 4, it says, Then I heard another 
voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. And so as the crazy ex continues to call you and text you and call you and text you and tell you, Come on back, baby. It's going to be all right. It's going to be better this time. It's going to be real good this time. You realize that you've fallen into that trap over and over and over again. And so the call today in Revelation 19 is to break up with the ex, to come to your senses and walk away, to to come out of her, to leave the ex behind, to call it off completely, to block her number, to be free of her, to break up with that part of culture that is calling you to abandon your pursuit of Jesus Christ or even leaves you in direct opposition of your first love. Today is the day to break up, to come out, to leave her behind, whatever it is, good or bad, that distracts you from your pursuit of God, dump it today. Dump it today. Dump your crazy ex today. And that's the first step. Number two, we get ready for the wedding day. We get ready for the wedding day. Verse six says, then I heard what sounded like a great multitude like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. So getting ready for a wedding, if you've ever done that before, it requires a lot. We save our money, we make plans. We try to get in shape so that we can fit into our outfit or our dress. Uh, all we have to book a venue, book a DJ, book a caterer, get flowers, get the guest list together, get someone to make a cake, and on and on and on. And eventually we go and try to find a pastor who's free that day, by the way. I won't say anything else about that, but maybe check with the pastor first and then book everything else after that. But anyway, whatever. Um, there's a, a bride, okay? There's a bride here, and the bride is ready for the wedding. Who is the bride? The bride is the church. The bride is you if you're in relationship with Jesus Christ. The bride is the damsel in distress. It's you and me. It's the church. And the day has come now, it says, and the bride is ready. And I find this so incredible how we can ever be ready to stand face to face with Jesus. Because every time I read about Jesus or people that come face to face with him, it's as if he can see right through them. And you see, instead of feeling ready, you see Jesus look into your eyes, and it's as if he looks into your eyes and looks into your heart, looks into your soul, looks into your mind, and you fall down on your knees and say, please depart from me, I'm a sinner. It's like, it's like when Jesus washes the disciples' feet and and he goes to Peter and he says, I'm going to wash your feet. And he's like, no, you're not washing my feet. And he says, well, if you don't let me wash your feet, you don't have anything to do with me. And Peter says, okay, wash my feet, my body, and my arms, and my head, and everything. Wash it all. I'm dirty. I'm a dirty mess. When Jesus sees who we really are, we see who we really are. And we, we say, man, I'm an ugly mess. I just started to write down some of these words today. How can we ever be ready to stand face to face with Jesus? We are a mess Ugly, sinful, dirty, smelly, stinky, torn up, unfaithful, fallen, gross, dark-minded, filthy sinners, and we know it. And we know it. And yet Jesus puts, it says, fine linen on us. Fine linen that represents purity. 
Fine linen is strong and absorbent. It's expensive. It's beautiful. And these aren't just any old clothes. They are the righteous acts of God's holy people. And we are righteous not because of anything that we've done. We're righteous because he has made us right by the blood of the lamb. He washes and cleans us and puts new clothes on us. And I thought all week about what's the best way to to describe this to you. And all I could think about was a baptism video that we watched a couple weeks ago where a young girl described being dirty and allowing Jesus to wash her clean. And I want to I show you that video real quick. Get your tissues ready. You're going to need it. Watch this video again. Baptism means to me to show everybody that I believe in God. I always wanted to feel what it feels like to get all my sin washed off me. Daddy said that it's like dirt that you cannot wash off, but when you get baptized, all the dirt comes off. All the dirt is sin. It's it's like you go underwater and then you. It's like getting buried and then coming back to life like God did. That's it right there. That's it. Our selfishness, our pride, our lustful desires, our greed, our jealousy, everything that comes within our hearts and makes us ugly and wretched at the wedding day, Jesus will make us holy and blameless and without stain and perfect, without wrinkle. He washes us clean, makes us presentable and beautiful and radiant. So if I were you this morning, I'd say yes to the dress. I'd say yes to the dress because it's worth it. Let him put the fine linen on you. Cling to Jesus. Leave your crazy ex and cling to Jesus. Cling to Jesus. Get ready. Stay ready. And then third, we celebrate at the wedding ceremony. So now it's time for the actual wedding. And this wedding looks a little bit different than the ones you've probably been to before. Verse 11 of chapter 19 says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. So here's the groom, okay? Heaven opens up, there's the groom. He's on a white horse. He's described as faithful and true. I'm not sure what your relationships have been like in the past, but there is one who is always faithful to us. There is one who is always true. He's never cheated on us. He's never had eyes for anyone else. He's always been faithful, and every word that comes out of his mouth is true. And unlike the prostitute or the beast in the story, whose plans were for, our, to, for destruction, this rider on the white horse His plans for you are pure and good and right. Stick with him and cling to him. Now, I'm going to read this to you, 12 through 16. See if you can figure out who the rider on the horse is, okay? Verse 12 says, His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. 
On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. See if you can figure out who this is. His eyes are like fire. There's purity there. On his head are not one crown, but many crowns because he's the king of kings. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, the one who is the lamb that was slain. He wears a robe with his own blood on it. His name is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the armies of heaven are following this powerful king of kings. Out of his mouth is a sharp sword because he's so powerful. And on his robe and on his thigh is a tattoo of his name that says king of kings and lord of lords. Any ideas who this might be? It's Jesus. And the wedding has this moment, if you've been to a wedding, where they say these famous words, speak now or forever hold your peace. Well, somebody speaks up. And it's the beast and his minions again. Verse 19 says, Then I saw the beast and the king of kings, uh, the king of the earth. I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider of the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. Have you ever seen a fairy tale where the villain tries to stop the wedding? That's exactly what's happening here, but Jesus won't have it. The enemies try to wage war on Jesus and his army, but he steps out and he protects his bride. He protects his church. He protects us, and he rounds up the beast and all of his false prophets and all those who follow him and throws them into the lake of burning sulfur, and the rest of his minions are killed with the sword that comes out of his mouth, and it says that the birds gorge themselves on their flesh. You talk about wedding drama. Here it is. I've seen some wedding drama, and I've been to some weddings where some unwelcomed people were thrown out, but this man, this is the best right here. The enemy tries to stop God's plan for his future with you, and Jesus is like, not today, Satan. It's not happening today. You aren't going to mess this up, and he throws him out of the wedding. Bottom line, the victory is his, and nothing will stand in his way. Nothing will stand in his way. The wedding feast is the destruction of our enemy, and the chef prepares it well done, crispy and still smoking, and you don't need A1 sauce for this. It's the sweet taste of victory. The sweet taste of victory. What a celebration it will be. And then last, as the worship team comes, there's the party at the reception. It says in verse 6, Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection, The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Over the years, I've been to some great weddings, some great wedding receptions. Uh, One thing you got to know about Crossroads is Crossroads knows how to party. And Crossroads has had some great receptions. I've been to some great ones, but this one, this one, is going to be like nothing we've ever imagined. This wedding and this reception, a thousand-year reception. I've been to some receptions when it's like, this thing needs to end. You're not going to want this to end. A thousand years 
the reign of Christ, not in heaven, but here on earth. Can you imagine living on earth as, with Jesus as the king and everything on earth being perfect for a thousand years? Perfect. There's, there's no traffic on 64. Uh, the, the Washington commanders are done with their rebuilding phase. It's done. They're done with it. You know, the Krispy Kreme light is always on. You can eat and never, ever gain weight. It's going to be incredible. But, but even more than all of that, for real though, we will be with our hero on earth and worship him for a thousand years. What a wedding party that's going to be. As we close up, just a couple thoughts for you as we go. Number one, what X do you need to drop today? Where is culture pulling you in and trying to get you to, to be in opposition of, of God and all things God and God's best for you and God's word? Where is culture trying to pull you into that? Dump it today. Walk away from it today. Are you ready for the wedding? Have you let, have you let Jesus put that fine linen on you, to, like Raylan said, to wash the dirt off of you, make you presentable? and radiant and beautiful for your wedding day. If you haven't, I, I say give your life to him today. Let him do that today. Get ready and stay ready. Stay ready. And then third, cling to Jesus before it's too late because he wants you at the party. Cling to Jesus before it's too late because he wants you at the party. We don't know what this afternoon holds. We don't want, know what tonight holds or tomorrow holds. But we can get ready today. We can cling to him today. And if, it's, if it was up to me, I'd say, man, break the skies open today. Come back. But you know, the reason why that hasn't happened yet is because it says that Jesus is ready to go. He's ready to go. And, and, and God's holding him back because he's being patient. He's given just enough time he doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want you to perish or anyone in your family to perish. And he's being patient and waiting. We don't know how long before God says, okay, go get him. So cling to him today. Lord, we thank you for your incredible love for us, Lord, that draws us in. And Lord, we also have a culture that is, is fighting for our souls. And maybe even institutions and powerful people that are, that are forcing that to happen. But Lord, help us to stand firm in you. Lord, to dump, to dump the culture that's in opposition with you, whether good or bad. Maybe there's people here today, myself maybe included, who just say, well, I don't, I like that. I, I, I enjoy that part of my life. I, I, I don't want to walk away. Lord, I pray that we would even take that to you today or this week and let you transform our hearts in that, Lord. Lord, when the prostitute texts, texts us or calls us, Lord, that we, would, we wouldn't answer. 
In fact, we've already blocked her number. She can't call. Lord, help us to get ready to let you put that fine linen on us to wash our sins white as snow. To make us ready for that day. And Lord, let us cling to you before it's too late. If you want to talk more about that this morning, I I ask you to to join us in the prayer room, which is just across the way, right behind where you checked in your kids today. Just join us there and let us share more about what it means to to put on that fine linen or to, to get ready or to cling to him. We'd love to walk with you through that, Lord. We, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we know that we have victory in you. Because you are victorious, Lord. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Crossroads Community Church. If this message was meaningful to your life, please let us know by sending an email to office at crossroads.cc. You can also watch our services live every Sunday at 9.30 and 11 a.m. or visit our campus in Yorktown, Virginia. If you would like to connect with us, fill out our Connect card by the link in our podcast description. We hope you have a blessed week and we can't wait for you to listen again soon.